on its residents to stay inside more than a week ago. Now, within the last 24 hours, Florida's governor followed suit, but there are still nearly a dozen other states that are holding out. With coronavirus cases exploding in places like Pennsylvania, Georgia, and Florida, governors in those states are now being forced to reckon with the one order they'd restricted for days, if not weeks, a full shelter-in-place mandate. Every day we wait, the coronavirus spreads further and becomes more difficult to suppress. I know you want to return to business as usual, but we must first overcome the obstacles that we have in our path. I'm going to be doing an executive order today uh, directing all Floridians to limit movements and personal interactions outside the home to only those necessary to obtain or provide essential services. The orders all go into effect by the end of the week, and in some cases represent a full about face. Florida's Governor Ron DeSantis just last week. To order someone not to be able to earn a paycheck when them going to work is not going to have any effect on what we're doing with the virus, um, you know, that is something that I think is inappropriate. Savannah asked the Surgeon General about Florida's delay Wednesday, just hours before the announcement. So he's saying he's waiting for somebody at the White House to tell him to shut it down in Florida. What would your advice to him be? My advice to America would be that these guidelines are a national stay-at-home order. Uh, they're, they're guidelines that say that, look, the more we social distance, the more we stay at home, the less spread of disease there will be. Backlash for the delayed actions lighting up social media. One Twitter user accusing Governor DeSantis of being a day late and a dollar short. Another writing... Took long enough. How many spring breakers took the virus home and spread it? Images of spring breakers like these leaving residents here in South Florida feeling frustrated. A complete lockdown is what we need at this point. We've tried it every other way, and it's, um, it's not under control. It's out of control. Across the country, now 38 states and the District of Columbia have some form of stay-at-home or shelter-in-place. Texas's governor isn't calling it that, but he did shutter schools and all non-essential activity. Oklahoma's head of state closed businesses, but said a shelter in place isn't practical. And Arkansas decided to limit overnight stays at state parks. Residents right now urge to exercise social responsibility as the invisible enemy marches onward. And the question that many people might be having this morning, why did it take so many governors until early April to take this action? Florida's Governor Ron DeSantis said he saw the CDC extend its guidelines another 30 days and decided at that point, quote, things were not returning to normalcy. Hold it back to you. All right, Sam Brock for us in Miami. Sam, thank you. As mentioned, most of the country is now under a stay-at-home order. The White House is resisting calls, however, for a nationwide lockdown. NBC's Tom Costello and Chevy Chase Maryland for us this morning with that part of the story. Tom, good morning. Yes, Savannah, good morning. The administration really facing increased questions over its piecemeal approach to this containment effort nationwide, while people on the front lines of this emergency are pleading for more equipment and more personnel. And tragically this morning, we've learned of the death of an emergency room doctor on the front lines. President Trump dismissing the idea of a national lockdown, saying that decision should be left up to state governors. There are some states that don't have much of a problem. They don't have thousands of people that are positive. The president also downplayed the need for restrictions on domestic air travel. We're certainly looking at it, but once you do that, you really are, you really are uh, clamping down an industry that is desperately needed. 
In hard-hit New York City, nearly 1,400 lives have been lost. Temporary morgues now sit up outside of some hospitals. We're still looking for a curve. We're still looking to see where we hit the plateau. The number of hospital beds in the city is also growing, with medical facilities being set up aboard the U.S. Navy ship Comfort, inside the Javits Convention Center, in tents in Central Park, and the tennis center that hosts the U.S. Open. But even with equipment and personnel pouring in, doctors on the front lines are exhausted. This will be my 19th shift in the last 22 days, 23 days. A team of nurses at Mass General Boston releasing this video on Instagram. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't scared. Hospitals across the country are low on protective equipment. We are allotted one mask per day to conserve and prepare for the worst. In New Jersey, ER doctor Frank Gavron died after contracting COVID-19. Amazing, amazing clinician, amazing human being, amazing, amazing human spirit. Meanwhile, in the Pacific, the American aircraft carrier USS Roosevelt has nearly 100 positive cases on board. A thousand crew members have now been removed from the ship. Another 2,700 expected to disembark in the coming days. They'll remain in isolation in the U.S. territory of Guam. Our goal is to get a clean ship. The Navy says it will eventually test all of the sailors, but some will have to remain on board to keep an eye on the carrier's nuclear reactor and the weapon systems. We need the sailors to be safe, we need them to be healthy, uh, and we need that ship to be operational. Al and Lisa Robertson's 28-year-old son, Jason Castricone, is a combat medic on board. He's taking care of all these sick um, service members, all his brothers and sisters, and um, is he going to be okay? Are they going to be okay? So far, none of the sailors has required hospitalization. It's believed that their youth and their general good condition should play in their favor. Lastly, we want to tell you that the NIH uh, director, Dr. Anthony Fauci, rather, the chief infectious disease expert, now has to have an increased security detail because of alleged threats against him. Guys, back to you. All right, Tom, and Dr. Fauci will be with us a little bit later in this hour. We'll ask him about that, among other things. We're joined now by Utah's Democratic Congressman Ben McAdams. He was with us, talked to Hoda, a couple of weeks ago, just one day after he was diagnosed with COVID-19. He later had to be hospitalized for more than a week after shortness of breath. Congressman McAdams, good morning. We are happy to see you, happy to hear you're doing better. But, I mean, how are you feeling? What an ordeal. It was quite an ordeal. Thank you and good morning. I am I'm doing so much better right now. I'm not probably not quite 100%, but uh, after we spoke, it, it really took a turn for the worse. I found myself in the hospital for, for eight days and, uh, and just had trouble breathing, couldn't keep my oxygen levels up, and, uh, and just it, it, it hit me really, really hard. And so it's good to be back on my feet right now. I'm virus-free. I just left quarantine a couple of days ago, so I've, I know I, that hug from the family. I was able to get the, a similar hug. It was so great as I left quarantine, and, uh, and I'm doing so much better right now. I'm still pretty weak. It hit me really hard uh, and in that time that I was in the hospital. But, but every day I, I'm, I'm better, and you know, I've resumed work and, and back on my feet. Well, this is such a, a strange disease. Let's talk about the progression of this, Congressman McAdams, because when we spoke, you said it was like the worst cold you'd ever felt. Your chest was tight. You're young, you're healthy. I mean, I thought, we, I think we both thought this was one of those things that was going to end quickly. Yeah. What was it that made you say to yourself, I've got to get in the hospital? And, and how bad did it get? You know, so it was Friday night, a couple of days after we spoke. 
and it just, uh, my breathing just got worse. It got to the point where I couldn't get up out of bed and walk across the room without being uh, out of breath, without panting, and just needing to sit down and catch my breath. And so I called my doctor on Friday night, uh, uh, two weeks ago now, and uh, and he said it was time to go to the hospital to check in. They, uh, they monitored my oxygen levels. My oxygen was fairly low. And, uh, and so they put me on supplemental oxygen and wanted to watch me overnight. Overnight became eight nights that I was there. And I, I just never could uh, breathe on my own without that supplemental oxygen and keep my levels up. And so it was, uh, it was quite an ordeal. It wasn't uh, until a week later that I finally, my fever broke and I was able to, uh, able to breathe on my own without the, well, I didn't have, I was breathing on my own. I didn't have a ventilator, but without the assistance of that supplemental oxygen, uh, and started to feel better, but it was it was pretty rough. I I try to talk to my family every day by uh, by FaceTime or by telephone, and uh, and there were a couple of days there that I really didn't even have the energy to hold up the telephone. I just was uh, laying there waiting for the minutes to pass and hoping to that my body would have a chance to catch up. I'm sure you were thinking, you know, I am young, I am healthy, I have every reason to think that I'll recover, but. On the other hand, we've all heard the stories of, of, of folks mm-hmm. young like you who didn't. I mean, were you afraid as you sat there alone? Yeah, you know, yeah, last last we spoke, I, I felt like it was, you know, I knew it was going to be a rough one, but I, I was young, I'm healthy, I have no underlying health conditions, I exercise every day, and so I thought it would be a problem, and that would be my message to people today is to take this seriously. You don't know how it's going to hit you, how it's going to affect you, and what the consequences might be. And even if you are healthy and it is just a, a bad flu, uh, you don't know, if, if you don't take the precautions, who might you infect and how might, what impact might it have on them. So please take this seriously. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think, some. there are some people who still aren't taking it seriously. We were even talking about how state by state governors are doing different things in their states. And there's been some discussion of like a, a nationwide kind of shift down. Congressman McAdams, do you think that there should be one? Look, I do think we need to take this seriously. Utah's in the category of not having a mandatory shutdown. I would say we're 80% of the way there. Our governor has told people to stay home. It's, it's Maybe it doesn't have quite the force of law, but uh, but they have, uh, have, have asked people to stay home and for non-essential businesses to close. And so, uh, and most people seem to be adhering to that directive. Our major counties have, do have a a, a, a shutdown with the force of law, but I, look, I think that every state should look at it, and uh, and every individual should, whether or not it's required or not, uh, take these uh, these guidelines, these requirements from the state, take them seriously, and probably take it a step or two further if you have, if you can, stay at home. Even you know, even in our in Utah shutdown, you're still able to go to the grocery store. But I would encourage people to limit that to necessary trips or, or bundle your trips together so your uh, your exposure out in the public is limited. Yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of folks are sick and don't know they're sick. They're not yeah. showing symptoms, so they could be spreading it. Mm-hmm. Congressman McAdams, it is good to see you feeling better. Thank you so much. I'm glad you're reunited with your family too. Thank you. Thanks again. All right, now to a story we've been following closely. The uncertain fate of two Holland America cruise ships with sick passengers on board. Well, this morning, they're now just a few miles off the coast of Fort Lauderdale, but until a final deal's in place, they can't come any closer. NBC's Carrie Sanders has been tracking this one for us. Hey, Carrie, good morning. Well, good morning. We have some breaking news here. 
this morning. The deal is done. Sources tell NBC News the only thing missing are some lawyers' signatures. Just off the coast, 2,500 passengers and crew here on board those two ships, the Zandam and the Rotterdam, now waiting to come ashore. They have been told to pack their bags, and most will be coming ashore in the next 24 hours, maybe even sooner. This morning, the fate of the passengers and crew aboard these two cruise ships still unclear. After 27 days at sea, 12 of them confined in tiny staterooms. Hi, welcome to our cabin. Passengers like the Andersons from Ohio. It's about 200 square feet. Hope today is the day their ill-fated cruise from South America to Fort Lauderdale finally comes to an end. You are very close to Florida. I spoke with the Andersons as they neared what they hope will be their final port of call. We feel like there's a, uh, a very good chance on this. Uh, and quite honestly, uh, the tide also seemed to start turning after initially Governor DeSantis said we weren't welcome. With nine passengers testing positive for COVID-19 and 200 more with corona-type symptoms, Florida's Governor Ron DeSantis had put up a do not enter sign. But Wednesday, we just want everyone to be safe. He dropped his fierce opposition. On board the two ships, 45 passengers who have had significantly high fevers for more than 10 days, like 70-year-old Gloria Weeds and her 75-year-old husband, Bill. Anxious family members on shore now believe a hospital ICU is only hours away. I have more hope right now than I have in, in a long time. You know, time is ticking. Your father has pneumonia. What is your greatest fear? Uh, my greatest fear is that if he's going to get worse very, very quickly. The cruise line says as many as nine passengers need immediate medical care. The biggest hospital here, Broward Health, tells NBC News critically ill patients will be transferred to our system. A final exit plan is not yet in place, but Holland America this morning says it already has chartered planes for the nearly 1,000 passengers from Australia, United Kingdom, Germany, and beyond who would transfer straight from the ship to flights for onward travel home. All that's needed now is final approval from Broward County. Holland America says the very sickest on board will not come ashore. Rather, they will be treated on board. Meantime, this morning, there is word now of another ship, the Coral Princess, that also has suspected cases of coronavirus. It's hoping to dock here in Port Everglades on Saturday. Hoda Savannah. All right, Carrie Sanders, keep us updated on all of it. Thank you. Thanks, Carrie. Let's mm -hmm. get our first check of the weather. We say good morning to Mr. Roker. Hey, Al. Good yeah. morning. Why would you get on a cruise ship anyway in the midst of a pandemic? What's up, y'all? This is Dr. D. Listen to the morning news. And I'm home and I'm staying home. It's just crazy out here. Yesterday, the U.S. bringing the total above 51,000.
hundred people. EMS workers in New York City have been given a directive. If you arrive at the scene and a patient does not have a heartbeat, if you can't restart the heart somehow, some way, do not transport that patient. Fewer than 10 people require critical care right now. They'd like to get them to a local hospital, but it is still unclear exactly how they plan to safely transport them. President Trump says he's considering banning domestic travel. So this is something that you're absolutely correct is on the table and is discussed, but no decisions have been made. Bill Gates believes social isolation should be a national policy. It'll help everyone uh, get out of this more quickly. A grandfather and his granddaughter are lucky. They live right across the street from each other in Nashville, and now they're having a daily dance party. out of an abundance of caution. And as you wake up this morning, I'm sorry to say the numbers are higher this morning than when you went to bed. And here's where they stand right now. The number of coronavirus cases in the U.S. has now surged past 216,000. That's nearly twice as many as Italy, the next closest country. Although, of course, we have a much larger population here. Our death toll is more than 5,100. Wow. And that group, 